All right, welcome to Full Disclosure. We do it each Wednesday morning here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. David Greising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association, joins us to break down what's happening in state government, how it's impacting you. We start today with uh, something pretty rare, a sighting of the General Assembly and its natural habitat in Springfield. The House will be in session briefly today to go over new uh, House rules under a new House speaker. But, David, according to the GOP, it's uh, just new boss, same as the old boss. Right. There's been a lot of uh, uh, notoriety to the fact that uh, Chris Welch, the new speaker, um, is willing to make changes to the way that things used to happen. And the Rules Committee had developed a reputation as the place where bills that Madigan, Mike Madigan, the speaker then, didn't want to pass would go to die. And Chris Welch is making moves to uh, make sure that bills get a hearing at a committee that actually um, has the uh, programmatic expertise. Uh, But the Republicans are saying, even so, um, there's not enough of a change here. There's no guarantee those those bills are going to get full hearings and then have the chance to be passed out of committee and that it'll still be a Democrat run show and they don't like it. So um, it it seems as if the speaker has given them probably more than half a loaf, uh, yet, uh, understandably, the Republicans still feel there's uh, room yet to go. Uh, David, I'll admit, I'm not well steeped in how other uh, state legislator legislatures handle this. Uh, in the Congress, obviously, the majority party calls the shots. Uh, but is it standard in most other places that a uh, not only a minority, but actually a super minority party uh, can demand parity in terms of uh, the bills that get considered and what gets actually to the floor for a vote? I guess uh, because I've always seen it done this way in Illinois, I assume that's the way it's done everywhere. No, I, in, in most legislatures, the majority party has certain uh, advantages of the fact that they have more than 50 percent plus one members running the show. There usually are uh, special measures by which an important bill that is bottled in committee can be sprung loose. Um, and Illinois has been uh, singular in the sort of one person control the way that the Rules Committee previously was used under Madigan, uh, that is being changed somewhat. And I think until we go through a legislative session uh, and see if, in fact, any uh, Republican-sponsored bills move, uh, we won't know for sure whether this really is different or whether it's the house dressing, the window dressing, I'm sorry, that uh, the Republicans are are claiming it, it is. Uh, it should be noted that one big change in these rules would be to impose term limits for the House Speaker and for the House Minority Leader to no more than five terms as Speaker. So Chris Welch right out of the gate saying that uh, he would serve no more than 10 years if his caucus decides to keep reinstalling him for that period of time. It wouldn't go any farther than that. And that, of course, is a pretty big change coming off the longest serving house speaker anywhere in america here in illinois yeah it absolutely is a big change and and uh certain more cynical uh observers are saying well a something that can be passed by a majority vote can be unpassed say eight years from now when it's time to for uh or 10 years from now when it's time for speaker welch to step down under these new rules but that would be a really serious about face for him and he has staked his reputation on this kind of a change. Uh, And so um, I guess it'll be a decade before we know for certain. But for the time being, I would say um, 
maybe we ought to take this at face value and look at what what other measures he takes, specifically as regards gerrymandering of political maps and ethics reform. Those two are going to be real litmus tests for whether this new speaker is serious about changing the way Springfield operates or not. Uh, And, of course, uh, the House making another big step forward in the area of remote legislating under these rules that we do anticipate will be approved later today. That could come in very handy as we remain in a pandemic. We remain uh, in a situation where uh, bringing groups of people together under the Capitol Dome does pose its own set of risks. And when lawmakers have some pretty serious work to tackle, we got a little uh, taste yesterday of just how serious when Governor J.B. Pritzker's office offered uh, just a a bit of a preview of the governor's budget address for next week while they're promising no general tax hikes. It's pretty clear Illinois has some enormous fiscal problems with which to deal. Well, absolutely. And uh, the the budget, uh, $43 billion budget, has a $3 billion uh, deficit. The governor's staff claims that that's a uh, substantial decrease from the original pro- originally projected $5.5 billion deficit before he took his uh, carving knife to various parts of it and also decided to repay $700 million to the federal government that were borrowed as as part of the COVID relief program. Uh, There's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Um, uh, He's trying to uh, get $700 million in savings uh, through furloughs and hiring freezes. And that's in the current year. He's hoping for more of the same, it seems, uh, in the next fiscal year. He hasn't made any progress on that because that has to be negotiated with the unions, and they've shown no interest in doing so. And then education spending and sort of the uh, money that the state owes based on prior promises to education. Uh, Education went short by about $300 million in the current fiscal year, and it looks like uh, the obligation under an evidence-based funding formula to increase spending by $350 million again this year uh, likely will not be met. Another nearly billion dollars of this spending plan is dependent upon what the governor describes as closing corporate tax loopholes. That can be kind of a a catch-all that's easy to propose. It's actually harder to implement and get the votes, and particularly right now when a lot of businesses uh, have had a a pretty rough 2020 uh, advocating what is in effect a $900 million tax increase on Illinois corporations could be a pretty tall order, but it creates an even bigger budget hole if they don't get it done. No, absolutely. And um, along those lines, there's discussion of using the cigarette tax rev- and other uh, special revenue lines uh, to ha- to move that money to the general fund, which sounds good on its face. But then when you look at other places that that money typically has gone to, for example, a lot of the cigarette tax money has gone to rebuild Illinois, the $45 billion infrastructure program that Governor Pritzker uh Uh, deservedly claims a lot of credit for. Uh, There's going to be some robbing Peter to pay Paul uh, once this budget, we see all the details of this budget. And it just bespeaks the very difficult circumstances the state is facing due to pension underfunding and other issues. Uh, Actually, economic activity is up. Some of these numbers are better than the governor's staff expected them to be because the economy has proved to be more resilient than was expected, say, uh, four to five months ago when some of the projections were originally put together. 
We'll get more detail one week from today when the governor delivers that budget and his budget address, of course, live coverage here on WMAY. We've also got more full disclosure on the way. We'll have the latest on uh, implications for the uh, ongoing ethics uh, investigations and corruption investigations here in Illinois with the possibility of uh, a shakeup in U.S. attorney's offices, including in the Northern District, where the U.S. attorney is uh, conducting investigations, including the Commonwealth Edison bribery scheme scandal that has uh, implicated House Speaker, former House Speaker, it's hard, hard, hard to remember to say that, former House Speaker Mike Madigan. So we'll talk about what that all means when we come back and much more ahead. Full disclosure with the Better Government Association here each week on the WMA Wine Morning News Feed. And some consternation here in Illinois over a move that is fairly standard when a new presidential administration takes over. Presidents routinely replace U.S. attorneys around the country with their own people. Uh, but a couple of Trump appointees here in Illinois are in the middle of fairly sensitive uh, investigations, and that has uh, raised some concerns about replacing them right in the midst of that. Most notably, John Lausch, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, he's been conducting a number of uh, corruption investigations involving Illinois politicians, including the Commonwealth Edison bribery scandal that has had implications for now former House Speaker Mike Madigan. Uh, David Grising, how big a concern is this that uh, John Lausch could be replaced uh, with these investigations hanging? Well, it's a serious concern because uh, the leader of an investigation like this, and as wide-ranging as, as the investigation is, uh, is, is in some sense uh, uh, irreplaceable in that they know all the moving parts, they know all the leads, et cetera, et cetera. Now, John Lausch is reputed to have a very strong staff, and as you pointed out, it's not unusual. Presidents always insist that the uh, existing U.S. attorneys uh, of the other party submit their resignation uh, uh, at the start of a term. One of the real questions is, does Lausch get to stay until a full-time replacement is named and confirmed by the Senate? And that's what uh, Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, it's two uh, U.S. senators in Illinois, both Democrats, are saying. Um, they're the ones who uh, selected Lausch from a list of other good candidates. That's the tradition that the senators from each state get to informally nominate somebody. Um, uh, his track record seems to speak for itself. And besides the public corruption stuff, he's very strong on gun violence. And that's a that's a deep part of his background. And that's much needed, especially up in Chicago, where they're having such a hard time with violent crime. You know, we got a similar situation with our U.S. attorney for the Central District here in uh, Springfield, John Milheiser. Uh, j just last week, he announced uh, an indictment of a former Illinois lawmaker and one-time gubernatorial candidate, Sam McCann, for allegedly misusing campaign funds for personal use. That investigation's just underway, so our local members of Congress are, are calling for a similar accommodation to keep him in place until a successor is both nominated and confirmed. That's a process that can, can take a number of months, uh, and we don't yet know exactly how this is going to play out with either of these uh, top prosecutors, so we'll keep you uh, updated on that. Of course, we do this each week with the Better Government Association. We always encourage you to go to the BGA's website, bettergov.org. Uh, lots of great reading there, and you'll find a link there uh, to David Grising's latest column, which is once again talking about the whole notion of fair maps. And David, again, uh, a lot that, as we talked about last week, a lot still up in the air because of delays in getting the census data together and also uncertainty about what exactly our top leaders, from Speaker Chris Welch to Governor J.B. Pritzker, believe would constitute a fair map. But uh, give us the latest for, based upon your column there as to how you see this playing out. 
Well, the delay in data uh, would be uh, a real problem in a state where mapping is done fairly. In Illinois, mapping is not done fairly. It's essentially done by starting by putting maps, uh, pins in the map where the recumbent, where the incumbents all live, and then drawing districts around them. And what I was arguing in this column is that uh, we have the the three Democratic leaders uh, of state government: Governor Pritzker, Chris Welch, the Speaker, and Don Harmon, the Senate President. All have said they're against gerrymandering of electoral maps. Well, they can help make up for the fact that the data is going to be late by putting in place rules and procedures that will uh, make fair mapping an actual possibility. Specifically, they can um, state that maps should be drawn without reference to where incumbents live. And secondly, that there should be public hearings both before the maps are drawn up and then after their maps are drawn up to get public input before they're actually put up for a vote. Uh, it's too late to hope for a, a fully independent commission to draw these maps, I think, in, in reality, although that would be a best practice. But if the, if the politicians are still going to do it, they ought to do it in a way that's completely transparent and in which the public has significant input before this decision is made that affects the state's elections for the next 10 years. We always encourage you to go check out the BGA website. Again, you'll find the link to that latest David Grison column, lots of other valuable information there as well, and uh, valuable information that comes your way each week here on Full Disclosure. But in the meantime, David Grison, how do people reach you and the BGA the rest of the time? I'm at bettergov.org. That's our website. And my, my email is dgreising at bettergov.org, D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And again, we'll be back next Wednesday morning. That will be the date of the governor's budget address. Maybe we'll know a little bit more by then about what to expect and what the implications will be for state workers, for the recipients of state services all across Illinois, and for all of us as taxpayers. And we'll have plenty to talk about next Wednesday morning. David Greising, thanks as always. We will talk soon. Thank you, Jim. See you next week.